Welcome to Fire Talk Radio, teaching the unfiltered Word of God with the anointing of His Spirit, with subjects on eternity and the choices we make that determine our eternal destiny. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. I'm really, really glad that you're here. Uh, Whatever part of the world that you're listening to in whatever time zone, I'm really delighted that you're here. Now, I just wanted to um, uh, let you know that tonight is a, I'm going to be sharing an audio recording from my homiletics sermon that I preached in homiletics when, when I was in Bible college. And um, and then I'm going to elaborate a little bit on it, you know, and see where the Holy Ghost takes it. Uh, so um, I'm not really exactly sure how long till then is going to be. It's going to be at least 15, 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes, maybe longer. I don't know. <laughs> but I I remember that in Bible college was a was a life changing for me. It was I'm. I'm not the same person that I was when I first went to the church. Even the pastors have said, you're not the same. Deborah, my name is Deborah, by the way, <laughs> Deborah Lacewell. And, but they said, you're not the same Deborah that walked in these doors. And, um, and I know in my heart that I'm not. God has done a transforming work in my life. And in first year and second year, I took two years of the college. I went to two years of it. And it was, um, it was, I remember a lot of people in the second year, and they were talking about how they had to preach a sermon in class, which is, you know, they had to take homiletics, which is talking about uh, the art of sermons and, or just the science of it and, and how to do it. Um, you know, in a good way, the appropriate way of teaching you basically how to do the sermons and and then to actually have to actually preach it to your um to your classmates like it was a like it was your your Sunday service so with getting uh I mean it was it was very nerve-wracking because in first year we had to uh in our very first quarter we had to we took a healing class and and we had to also go out and perform the ministry of healing to somebody and and they had to get healed god had to heal them through us and that wasn't nerve-wracking enough um and so i actually didn't want to go i mean i wanted to go to second year uh everybody was asking are you going to go to second year you're just going to do first year and and i was i said i don't know what i'm going to do and and uh, I was a, a big part of me. I was. I, I just. I. I did. I. I didn't. I wanted to go, like I said, but I didn't want to go because I knew that I would have to do a sermon, and I'd have to get up in front of everybody, the whole entire class, and preach my message. And I was afraid of public speaking. Still am in a way. Uh, and this is like public speaking, only you can't see me. Um, it's a, it is public speaking. It was just a different kind 
But so I was really, really scared, and I didn't want to go to second year, and that was I, that was sort of the reasons that I didn't want to go. And so I um, I eventually I said, okay, well I'll go to second year, and because uh, the Lord asked me to, well He told me to and asked me, and so eventually I went, uh, listed, and I I went to second year, uh, and. So we're taking the home X class, and then we're told the, the outline to to make the the outline for our sermon. And and I went up to the pastor, and I I told him, I said, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can do this. I said, I, I said this terrifies me. I said, I I don't know if I can get up in front of all these people and do this. I said I might just have to quit, and he says, you know, and he was, he was, and I just told him. He says, well, you just need to. He says, God will get you through it, and God did get me through it. And I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I asked the Lord what He wanted me to speak on, what He wanted me to preach on, and to give me the words. I, I told him, I said, God, I want the people when I get up there. I don't want them to see me. At all. Obviously, they have to see me because I'm in a body and I'm a human. But that that be all it is. I want them to see you in my eyes. I want them to hear you in my voice. And I want I want I want you to show up. I want you, I want them to feel your presence and I want you to touch their hearts and minister to them specific needs like only you can. And that's what I asked him. I said because me and myself will be will be it won't be any good. It just be whatever. It just be words and uh, head knowledge, revelation, whatever. Without the Holy Ghost showing up, it's not going to be anything. So I um, so I I I asked him to show up and I prayed and I, and I also asked him. I said God. Let my message be, be um, let it come up a day that that it's needed most, that people need to hear it the most, need to hear your message, your words. Let it be an on time word. And because the way it was done was like I don't know if our, our how it was done, but we we didn't know until two days before. Basically, our our homiletics class, which by the way means the art of preaching, the branch of practical theology that treats of homilies or sermons. And so, but I, I didn't, uh, I, anyway, so I asked the Lord to, to please show up and give on time word and, and minister to them like only he could. Anyway, so he he showed up in a big way. He's faithful. He is so faithful, and he knows um, he knows exactly what his people need. And and only he knows how to touch them. The sermon that he called me is entitled. Diamond in the Rough. That's Diamond in the Rough. And our sermon had to be no more than 
um, I think it had to be 10 minutes, and you couldn't go over by a minute, otherwise you'd be doctor grade, and you couldn't go under, um, go under nine or eight minutes, or you'd be doctor grade. But anyway, um, I'm going to go ahead, and I'm, I, I got permission from from the instructor uh, to play this message that was in class that day. And it's about 10 minutes, 9 or 10 minutes, give or take, here or there, um, silences or whatever. But I'm going to play it. It's called Diamond in the Rough. And then I'm going to come back, like I said, elaborate a little bit on it. And I just pray that the Lord touch your heart right now. And, Father God, you just just speak to the prayer that I had today that I gave my sermon. Lord, I pray it again today. Draw the people that that are to listen, not only live, but the archive, Lord. And I pray right now that you touch them in a special way, individual way that that only you can do. Touch their hearts. Minister to them at the point of their need. Let this right now be an on-time word, specifically tailor-made for them. I thank you for it, Lord. I give you all the glory, all the honor, all the praise for what you're going to do in their lives and in their hearts. And today, this very second, in Jesus' name, amen. Y'all stand by for Diamond in the Rough. And it was um, brought, it was, um, I preached it on September 24th, 2012. Diamond in the Rough. Morning, everybody. Please open your Bibles with me to Second Corinthians three eighteen. I'm reading out of the Amplified Bible. And all of us, as with unveiled face, because we continue to behold in the Word of God, as in the mirror, the glory of the Lord are constantly being transfigured into His very own image, in ever increasing splendor, and from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. As I was praying to the Holy Spirit about this service and what he wants me to share with you, I kept hearing the phrase, Diamond in the Rough, which, by the way, is the title of this message. I often pray, God, use me. I really want to be used by you. But then I look at the failures and shortcomings in my life and wonder how he could ever use someone like me for his glory. Today I'm going to share with you what a priceless jewel you are in the sight of God and how much he wants to use you for his glory in spite of how you look at yourself or how others see you. It is my desire to encourage you with this message to be patient with yourself and not give up because the Holy Spirit is constantly doing a deep work in your life. A lot of people are judged by their appearance. God looks on the heart. 1 Samuel 16:7 reads, But the Lord said to Samuel, Look not on his appearance or at the height of his stature, for I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees, for man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. When Samuel went in search of a new king among Jesse's sons, he saw Eliab. And thought he must be the one God had chosen because he appeared tall and strong. 
However, God told Samuel, Look, Eliab looks strong. He was not the chosen king of Israel. David was because he had a heart after God. Proverbs 16.2 reads, All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit, the thoughts and intents of the heart. You know, a man was walking on the beach one day, and upon his walking along the beach, he came across a cave. So he decided he was going to go and he's going he's to explore it. And upon his exploration, he found a bag of canvas, clay, earthen balls. So he picks it up, puts it on his shoulder, exits the cave, and walks back on the beach. And he's walking along, and he decides this for fun. He's going to throw one under the ocean. So he throws one in, walks a little bit further, throws another one in just for fun. And one drops on a rock, and he discovers a priceless jewel that breaks open on the rock. And in his excitement, he breaks open the rest of them and finds 60 of these jewels hidden. But then his heart sinks as he realized he just threw an equal amount into the ocean because they didn't look like they amounted to anything or like they were worth much. People have a tendency to judge themselves on others based on how they look, act, or talk. If we take time to get to know the other person and ask the Holy Spirit to help us see them and ourselves as he sees us, we will soon discover the treasure hidden deep within. When we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, our old way of life changes. God is the master craftsman. 2 Corinthians 5.17 reads, Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah, he is a new creation. A new creature altogether, the old, previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. When a person gets saved, the Holy Spirit comes to live in their hearts. He is constantly working in them to change and perfect them. They may still be struggling with sin and other things, but as they yield to the Holy Spirit and allow Him to do a work, a deep work in our hearts, He changes them from glory to glory. Ezekiel 36:26 reads, A new heart will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and give you a heart of flesh. 100 miles below the Earth's surface, coal is subjected to a temperature of 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit and 50 tons of pressure. With many geological processes taking place, the coal waits in darkness to become a diamond. A diamond in the rough is a state when a, di- when a when the miner brings it out of the mine, washes it off, and sends it on to be evaluated by the master cutters. Gifted jewelers can look at a diamond in the rough and already tell you what the color, value, weight, and purpose for which it will be used. It is no less valuable and no less priceless 
in that condition, just in its final preparations and unfinished. I hold in my hand a piece of coal. At first glance, it doesn't appear to have any value. However, with an expert eye, one can see the transformation from coal to sparkling diamond. When our Heavenly Father looks at us, He sees the finished product that was paid for by Jesus on the cross of Calvary. Woo! Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus! Woo! <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah! <laughs> Woo! Sometimes the mistakes of our past hinder us from going deeper in the things of God. Worshiping, praying, and reading the Word of God will help us see ourselves and others the way we do, the way God sees us. You have heard in this sermon that while man looks on the outward appearance, God looks upon your heart. He sees you as a new creation without spot or blemish and made righteous by the blood of Jesus. God is the master craftsman who is continually shaping and molding you into his image. In Jeremiah 18, 3 to 4, it reads, Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he was working at the wheel. And the vessel that he was working from, clay was spoiled in the hand of a potter. So he made it over reworking it into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make it. At times, it can get discouraging, and you may want to quit. Just remember, we are all a work in progress and are going from glory to glory. Stay the course and finish the race. I can already see the light of the Father shining through the diamonds He's created in you. Today, today is the day of salvation. If you hear His voice, harden not your heart. You are not promised tomorrow. You are not promised your next breath. Life is a vapor. It's here and then it's gone. If you if you died this very second, where would you spend eternity? In heaven or hell? Would you stand before God as your judge or as your savior? Come to the altar now and let me pray with you to receive Jesus. Worship band, come forward and sing in the hands of the potter as we wait for these precious jewels to come forward.
don't know if you can hear at the end there, but somebody was uh, somebody was shouting, "You're a new creation! You're a new creation in Christ!" And that's that's what we are. If we have Jesus in our hearts, then we are a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. And everything that is Christ-like is is us. And we may be working on things, as I was saying in that sermon. Um, you know, God's still working on us. You can't, I mean, you you, you, you catch a fish before you clean it. So um, God's working on us still. But we are new creations. If, we, if we're in Christ Jesus, the old has passed away. And a lot of times, um, well, not a lot of time, all the time, the enemy will try and use our past maybe our mistakes or uh, the sins we've made or words, negative words that were spoken over our lives telling us that we never amount to anything, um, no good for anything, but, you know, nothing. You're you're good for nothing. Um, All these negative words that were spoken over people's lives that the enemy will use against against people to to neutralize them to stop them from fulfilling the plan of God on their lives and you know a lot of time as I was saying the enemy will try to do that he wants us to forever look at ourselves as a lumpy dirty piece of black coal Dirty. Uh, you gotta wash your hands when you are through picking it up because it's it's messy. It's it's just it doesn't look like it amounts to anything. It just looks like a lump of coal, like a piece of just a piece of charcoal or something off the barbecue. But God sees us. He sees the diamond that we are. He sees the diamond that you are. He sees you as flawless and perfect. Because he looks inside your heart. And yes, there may be messes here and there inside your heart that you're dealing with. But God loves you so much that he's not going to allow you to stay in that state. He's going to gently woo you and slew you and 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 get you to to say, oh, okay, well, here, you can just take that from me. You're so wonderful. I love you so much here. You can have it. Just burn it out of me. Take it away. I don't want it anymore. God doesn't see you in the state that you are now. He sees the finished product that was paid for by Jesus on the cross of Calvary. You're priceless. You're a priceless, flawless diamond. You're a jewel from heaven. And God doesn't look at the dirt. He doesn't look at the lumpy, messy uh, coal that looks like it doesn't amount to anything. The devil wants you to look at that 
and see the sin of your past, which is your past. And if you're in Christ, then that's erased. God God doesn't see that anymore. It's like if you picked up a, a, a book that you're reading, you see all these words written down, and that was, you know, all your sins that the enemy, the accuser of the brethren, comes before God every day or all the time and, and accuses us before God. But when we receive Jesus, that blood of Jesus makes us righteous, washes away all the sins so that all those things that are written down, you turn it over and it's completely blank, white pages. Now, no writing on it because the blood of Jesus has made us pure and cleansed us, made us holy. And so I thank God. I thank God so much that he doesn't see the old me. He doesn't see the mess I am sometimes when I'm either either at an old um, behavior or just in the flesh or whatever whatever the case may be. He doesn't he doesn't see that and I'm glad that he doesn't see that. Really, really glad. You know, and in Isaiah one eighteen it says, Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord, that your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Psalm fifty one seven says, Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. We are we are made righteous and we are justified. And justified just as if we had never sinned. So God you know, God is uh in theology, um justify means um, to declare innocent or guiltless, absolve, acquit. So it's just as if we never ever sinned. Mean God is is so wonderful that he he sent his only son. I mean, actually, God came down to earth in the form of man. He came as, I mean, God, the God in the man, man form in the man. And, uh, but, um, he's wonderful, and he loves you, and he loves me. And without him, we're nothing at all. And I'm so, so grateful that God sees the finished product. So sometimes we may give up on ourselves. We may give up on other people, but we shouldn't give up on ourselves or other people. I mean, man looks at the heart, um, a man, man looks at outward appearance, God looks on the heart. And if we continually 
look at uh, the outward appearance and unless this would judge people after the flesh. So we, we can't give up on people. Don't ever get in, give up on anybody or write anybody off. That includes yourself because God has a way of being that master craftsman and, and that, that, that master cutter, that master jeweler who perfects and chisels here and chisels there and on that diamond in the rough and he chisels and he cuts and it turns out (coughs) turns out perfect You know, I just imagine sometimes being Mary or, or Peter, you know, when they when they came to the to the tomb, so in love with Jesus. And to see the angel standing there and saying, Why do you seek the living among the dead? For he is not here. He is risen. As he said. That's what the song's about. He Let this mystery now be understood. He's risen. Cause when God makes a promise, His promises never fail. That's why Jesus is alive and well. He's risen. And He longs to be with you. He'll meet you upon your knees. So come behold the King of Kings, He's risen, and as you obey Him and do what He says to do, I know God will show Himself to God for that, and I've been uh, battling um, cough symptoms and cold symptoms a lot better than I was, but I haven't been using my voice as much lately, but I'm determined to get this message done if I have to break every half an hour to play a song because I'm coughing, but I'm rebuking that cough. I may be fighting symptoms in a natural I bind that cough in the name of Jesus. I I command it not to attack me again. So even though I'm battling that in the natural, I know that by the stripes of Jesus I am healed, and I was healed. And I'm determined to to sit here. I feel that a lot of you need to hear this. I pray to the Lord. I I ask God to have the people tune in that needed to hear this message or that knew something that needed to hear it. And to edify, to speak through me, to tell you that you are 
loved and you're valuable, you're accepted in the beloved, that doesn't matter what you've done in the past, doesn't matter what was spoken of you, doesn't matter what you think of you, God sees you as perfect. He sees the finished product. He loves you. And he has a perfect plan for your life. He is a dream. You were born to fulfill the dream of God, God's dream. A lot of people say uh, they don't have a dream or they stopped dreaming a long time ago or but the the real the real issue is you know it says God will give you desires of the heart or your heart. He's the one that put the desires in you in us. But we were born to fulfill the dream, God's dream, his desire, his plan for our lives. And that's what that's what I I, I you know, I, I speak to the people that have had negative nothing but negative spoken over their lives. And I, I speak to you and I say that you are loved, you're beautiful, you're you are worthy of love. You are worth something. You're worth so much so much to God that he sent his only son Jesus came in the form God came down in the form of Jesus. Loved you so much. Loves you. So much that he was willing, he was willing to sacrifice himself, put on upon himself the the sins of the world, the diseases, everything upon himself, and suffer and die on a cross, rise again for you. That's how much he loves you. That's how priceless you are. You were bought at a high price, and I was bought at a high price. That price was the blood of Jesus. And I thank God that he's coming back in all of his splendor, all of his glory. He's coming back for us on the second coming, on the return of Jesus. In, in in all his glory. So know that no matter what you've been told, if, if people have told you that you're never going to amount to anything, I know that words hurt. I know that words form who we are, especially when we're young. But you will amount to something. You already are somebody in God's eyes. He sees you as valuable priceless far more priceless than anything so worth everything he loves you so much and you're not going to quit because he won't let you he's going to keep on loving on you being good to you, even when you back off a little bit from him because you're afraid of what might happen, that you might actually go further in life 
than what you've been told, and it's uncomfortable to get out of that comfort zone. Oh, but he's going to love you, and he's going to woo you. He's going to take you beyond that part, beyond the comfort zone. And for those of you that were abused as children for in, in whatever way, God's not a, a child abuser. He's not an abusive father. He's a good daddy. He's a good dad. He's not a bad father up there with a big stick waiting for you to do something wrong, anything wrong that he can beat you over the head with it. He's not like that. He's a good dad. So just I understand that for those who've been abused, it's hard for them to look. It's hard for them to look at God as a father sometimes. But he is. He's your father. If you have the Lord Jesus in your heart, God is your father. So just open your heart. The, the same walls that you erect to protect yourself are the same walls that keep God out. I understand the walls were put up to protect yourself from being hurt by other people to keep them so from getting so far, you know, not let them get all the way in to your heart. But the same thing happens. The Holy Ghost, he can't get through. They they keep you keep him out as well. One of my pastor, Pastor Donica, she says. That look at it this way: you ever had uh, your you can have company over to your house, and you have all these rooms, and they're all nice and tidy, mostly the living room, and some other some other rooms in the house, and then you've got the ones that are kind of like the junk drawer and the junk closet. You got everything crammed in the closet, and you could shut the door, and everything could fall out if you if you went and you um, try to open the door, everything would fall out. And you've got other rooms that are hidden away that you don't let your your company see because those rooms are full of it's just dirty. It's got you know dirty laundry and just 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 a mess. You haven't had a chance to clean it or whatever. And well, when you ask God to when you ask Jesus to come in your heart, and you ask Holy Spirit to come with His fire and and burn everything out of you that's not in Him. It, your heart is like is like that that has all those rooms in it. Some of it's been cleaned out. Some of it's, okay, well, God, you can go here, you can go there, but, oh, no, 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 don't go there, because you got your neighbors, you're like, oh, no, you can stay out of this room. Well, when you're like, holy spirit, no, don't go there. Well, that's exactly where he goes first, because he has to deal with that, to clean up that room in your heart and to clear it out of, of the junk of the pain, of the anger, of 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 whatever needs to be cleaned out. Going where the knife of man can't go. That somebody who's maybe been hospitalized umpteen times in a in a in a mental institution and has had 
years of counseling from psychiatrists and psychologists and therapists, something like that, for years. And they never got much better. Can get it into the presence of God, the anointing that destroys every yoke of bondage. And he, the great counselor, the great physician, the great comforter, can do what no psychiatrist, no therapist, and no counselor could ever do for that person. can take away that depression. You can take away that anger. can take away that lust and jealousy hatred and prejudice and bigotry, whatever it is, the hidden sins of the heart, that we can go under our bed and turn out all the lights and sin under there and think that nobody can see us. God can see us. Always see us. The Holy Spirit is right there when we're doing those sins because he lives in our heart. If you have Jesus in your heart, the Holy Spirit lives in you. So when you're, quote, under the bed, hiding in the dark, sinning, and you think nobody can see, and you're peeking out, maybe, or something, you're peeking out the window trying to... The Holy Spirit sees because He lives in you. He lives in your heart. And He's actually there with you while you're doing that sin. And so are all the angels. Three quarters, we got three quarters, innumerable angels. angels. I mean, uh, two-thirds innumerable angels. Anyways, innumerable angels. But um, the angels are there. The angels of God are there. Plus, a great cloud of witnesses up in heaven who are cheering you on saying, oh, you can do that. I had that problem too. I had an issue with that. If I could get over it, I did it. I finished. I got over it. God got me through it. I, I finished my race. And and you can do it too. They're cheering us on. So they're up there and all all the ones that have gone on before us all the saints up there and family members that have gone on, friends, pastors are up there watching you and cheering you on, cheering me on. So when they're when they're up there, I certainly I want to be, I don't want them witnessing me doing something wrong. First of all, I don't want to do anything wrong. And the Holy Spirit, when he's, he's in my heart, he, he, okay, so as, as a scenario, a person, I mean, doesn't want to have, I mean, it says in Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, 
Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Considered him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So we've got a great cloud of witnesses that are up there and they're cheering us on. It says in here, let us throw off everything that hinders us. That could be old baggage from the past, from from hurts and things that have happened or that we've done, disappointments, rejections, whatever that could be, the, the, the old baggage that we carry around. And then the sin, we need to get rid of that sin. We need to allow God to do a work in our heart because that sin is going to hinder us. It's going gonna, it's gonna to hold us back from running the race. We need to just focus on Jesus like a horse that has blinders on. All it can see is straight ahead of it. doesn't have the peripheral vision to see the people on the side there, but it just has just focused eyes fixed on Jesus, just like a horse with those, um, I think they're called blinders, and they have them on and they're just, just, just focused on the road ahead of them, on what's ahead of them. So we need to we need to give God every every single thing that is hard for us to give, hard for us to let go of. <clears throat> Excuse me, because so many people a lot of times, hold on to that for for whatever reason. We'll hold on to the baggage, the sin, the shame, the pain, and they're afraid to to let let it go. You know, there's a certain place that they, in order to capture these mo- monkeys, they uh, put this bait in this hole big enough that the the monkey can get its hand in, but when, but it, it it can't get its hand out. It could get its hand out if it dropped, if it dropped the um, the the banana or the nut or the fruit, whatever whatever bait they put in there. If it would drop that, it would be able to get out and run, but it won't drop that. Only the ones that will drop it can escape being caught because they're 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 there and they're caught as a trap to catch them. So we need to let go of of all of that. Now, um, let me give you a number to call here: 
That is uh, my direct line to the studio here. So you can call 646-668-2093. Love to hear from you. If you have any comments, questions, prayer requests, testimonies, anything that uh, anything that you would like to share with me would be wonderful. I'm gonna to go to a song and then I'll be I'll be back with you momentarily. In your 
try that one more time. We're all a work in progress and are going from glory to glory. Stay the course and finish the work. I can already see the light. And when I um, when I come back, I'm going to edit this for the archives. I know that at times it can get discouraging, and you may want to quit. Just remember, we are all a work in progress, and are going from glory unto glory. Finish the work, stay the course, finish the race. I can already see the light of the Father shining through the diamond he's created in you. Until we meet again, know that you are loved, you're valuable, you're accepted in the Beloved. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of your hand of his hand and envelop you in his love.
Refresh me, oh God, refresh me. 
can't get enough 